Welcome back to season one of Around the World in SDGs, a podcast series by the Intercouncil Network that explores the sustainable development goals for those on the ground. I'm your host, Fahima Gabrell. In this week, we explore SDG 3, good health and well-being, but with a focus of mental health and the case for greater prioritization of addressing it within the goals. We explore this issue further with this week's guest, Freddie Wangabo Mwenengabo, Executive Director of the East and Central African Association for Indigenous Rights. Welcome, Freddie. Great to have you join us today. Thank you very much, Fahima, for having me. And um, I'm grateful for the work you do and for actually thinking about this important subject of mental health in the world of development and in the world of SDGs. I think COVID-19 also have taught us that we have to act more decisively. And I think this subject you bring should be at the center of policymakers and everyone around the world so that we can move our society beyond. It was already a problem before, now it becomes even more a problem now. And that's why this dialogue is so important to look to look at uh, how we can make our world a better place to do for it. Thank you for that. That that's why kind of why we wanted to prioritize this particular episode of this addressing the SDGs. But before we get on the subject, I wanted to provide you an opportunity to introduce yourself and your organization. Okay, um, I will introduce myself. My name is Frederick Wangabo Mwenengabo, and uh, I work with. Eastern Central African Association for Indigenous Rights, an organization working with indigenous people in Canada, local populations in Canada, newcomers in Canada, in Africa as well. And our objective is to promote mental well-being, mental health, well-being, reduce poverty, and promote human rights and peace around the globe. That is the work we do. On uh, the addition, I'm also um, the ambassador of the civil society uh, organizations at the United Nations. <laughs> well, you wear many hats. Um, so to start off our discussion, I wanted to ask, why has mental health and well-being been a focus of your organization in addressing the other social issues faced by those that you serve? Mm-hmm. The work we do, we're working uh, with uh, youth youth and those youth uh, come from uh, very vulnerable populations they include uh, newcomers refugees uh, indigenous people uh, and francophone communities and what we do with them is we have different activities of mental well-being they include uh, games they include uh, uh, referrals to hospitals they include uh, translations to hospitals, they include advocacy, they include even economic support. Uh, they include also protection of people who are undergoing different uh, challenges, um, such as post-traumatic stress. And this, we do it with uh, these specific groups and our program is called IEMI. We have uh, doctors, we have nurses who work with us and with this community. And in that way, we have even police officers who work with us to help us. But this way is um, a way uh, to break the barriers that exist in the health system and the the label that is put to mental health 
So this way is a way for professionals to interact with them without any label on them. So we have volunteers who, who are working in the health profession who are doing this work. We give them also accompaniment. We give them accompaniment in schools. We give them translation and sometime where the parents cannot intervene, we intervene. We accompany them in the justice system if there is any problem in the justice system. And sometimes, um, for instance, you will see a child who has been shined when we cannot understand them and they could be arrested by police for a minor crime. So for us, we can take it on with the police and we can say, you know what, give this to us and we'll, uh, we will work with the, the child, we'll work with the person to kind of correct themselves and we'll work with their doctors, we'll work with whatever, while respecting their confidentiality. And those are the types of the work we're doing to support the people. And in 2016, actually the province and Horizon Health Network which is the, large, the largest health network in, uh, in the Atlantic provinces, uh, recognized our program as the most effective, the most important for the youth and having the best programs to address the needs of children and youth. And, and is the most inclusive, that is the program where you can find First Nation, you can find newcomers, you can find Francophone, you can find all Canadians. And um, we were recognized and we were given an award for this. But uh, beyond that um, award, what we benefit from this is seeing our own children mm -hmm. getting better, finishing schools, gaining employment, uh, supporting them to work. This has been so rewarding and important to us. While it is important, there are still limits. I think we can do better as Canadians. You mentioned that your organization was recognized uh, for its successes in programming and inclusion. What makes your approach different from other organizations? Our approach is, uh, is uh, honestly a little bit uh, different. Um, I've heard from many people that it's very innovative. And the reason is because for us, we don't, we don't focus on clinical. We, we focus on the before the person can get sick, when the person is sick, and after the person is sick. So we don't, we don't just wait for, for someone to be sick so that we can focus on them. And we don't shine them. And the way we bring doctors, helpers, and so on is not in a, in a regular setting. For instance, I'm playing bowling with you. And I'm a mental health doctor, I'm a psychiatrist we can start talking about our problems. And there I can help you, I can tell you, hmm, have you seen a doctor? Have you talked to so-and-so? That way it won't shine you as not being well. 
but it's a way of sharing experiences, exchanging, and there I can help you to go here, or even myself, I can help you. So that is what makes it different. There is difference in knowing that you are sick in a, in a way that the clinic will tell you, and there is a difference in knowing that this is okay. You are sick, but it's okay. We are all there, and I will be with you, and I will work with you. I'm your friend. There, there is that difference. So that makes our program different. There is nothing good in telling a child in a high school that, you know what, you are mentally ill. Because we can all be mentally ill. Who, di who diagnoses a mental, mental illness? We can all be mentally ill. But the way you bring it to that um, young boy, young girl, child, whatever listening to you is what will cure the person, is what will make the person know that you, you know them. I know you by your name. I know you by how you look. I know you by how you feel. I know you, I love you, you are part of us and what you have is not different of what everybody has. It's just a regular situation and we can work together if you are willing so that you can come out of it. That is what makes the, the, our program special. Touch, personal touch of the people working in the program, of the people committed to the program, and even the people involved in the program themselves. Because they become also mentors and they mentor all other people who have who, who might have the similar challenges that they may have experienced. And we have had many who have gotten better, qualifying schools, they graduate and, and back they come and they say, okay, this program helped me, this is that. For instance, uh, I, 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 can I give you an example? We, we had, um, there is a lady who was, uh, from Burundi, she came here and we were having programs and every time we could have the programs, I could see the lady crying. We didn't understand why. On her birthday, uh, there was, was brought a cake because um, people who were in our program, every time we are celebrating birthdays, we celebrate their birthdays and we celebrate it with a cake. She started crying. As she was crying, I went to her. I said, why are you crying? She, she declined, she couldn't talk to me. Early morning at four o'clock in the morning, next day, she called me, she said, my father cannot make me cake. That's why I was crying because I don't belong to that family. I asked her, how don't you belong to the family of your father? She said, I was adopted. My parents have died. So I have no future. I have no what, no what, no what. I understood immediately. She was having problems in schools. Now I understood why. We moved quickly with her, we moved quickly with her doctor, we moved quickly with everybody, and we 
understood. But a doctor who is working in hospital cannot get something quickly from a person like that immediately. Because they don't even know. They will just be reading their books and tell you by the letters what you should be doing, how you should do it. But a program like this makes it different because someone finds in you an ally. And that finding you in an ally, you have to take it seriously, respectfully, with all the consideration you can do because if you, you slide a little bit, you will break the whole life of that person. And for us, that is why that program is so important. And all our volunteers, all our contributors, all our doctors, whatever, they are well-trained to focus on that. And uh, that is why our program is more important because we are actually a bridge to all the services to, to help these, uh, these are our friends and colleagues who are uh, undergoing uh, these challenges. It appears that you have a people first approach to serving your client, which has probably led to your success. Why is it important to meet people where they're at and provide them with a sense of dignity in assisting them in overcoming their current obstacles? I really think it's very, very, very important. It's very important in mental health, in health system in general, to recognize people and understand their problems as human problems. It's important to ask, how are you feeling? Even to understand that their feeling is human feeling. Make it translated to human feeling, humanity. And well-being starts there. So it has been so important for us to do that because we've thought ourselves in the same way. And it is the most important that you can do to any human. So when you, when you, you speak around that, when you feel the same way, no matter what your sickness is, no matter what you're suffering, no matter what you're going through, we will all listen to ourselves with one voice. It's one voice. It is that there is something wrong with me, but I'm okay. I will be okay. I can be okay. There is no problem with me. I am me. That's why our program is called I am me. So I am me means whatever I'm going through, it's still me. I didn't create it. I didn't make it. But if you help me, if you work with me, if you support me, I'm still me and I can be better. And by humanizing those people and by humanizing ourselves, it makes it important to show that we are all the same and every human being can go through that and is part of the process of healing. Without that, a person cannot heal. Beautifully said, beautifully said. And I think that it shows that we are all human and mental illness is not something that defines someone and it could be felt by anyone. I wanted to move on to what you said previously as well about the economic advantage of providing mental health services or prioritizing those services. Because it does provide an economic and social benefit to not only the individual, but as well as the society. 
because on the long term, it not only helps the country economically as more people can provide um, to their society if they are physically and mentally well. How is your approach in service provided an environment to allow a level of trust to grow in order for the participants to succeed? Yes, uh, first of all, those people who are working in the program, uh, that is a very good question. The people working in the program, we've created a program that uh, is out of the conventions, is really uh, out of the conventions. Um, we've tried to remove boundaries. We start, you can just imagine when a psychiatrist is playing a pool table with young children of primary school or is playing uh, bowling with primary school, is uh, playing soccer with primary school children. This is in a way to create that friendship that if a child is uh, in trouble, they don't think that they are, there is something abnormal to them. But that link with those service providers is regular, is like you could be playing with your father, with your friend, with everything, and you can expose yourself. That, that just as the doctor will expose themselves or the nurse will expose themselves. So that has made this program very simple, unique, open, and it has led to the results. Because now children can access to services that they cannot access to in the hospital. Doctors, other doctors can have access to information from children they cannot access to if they were to interview one-on-one -on -one those children. In fact, uh, some children would say, I want my friend to come and accompany me. They will be talking of a doctor. So I want my friend to come and tell you my problem. So that way, it has opened the, the way. It has removed the barriers that exist in mental health. It has moved the barriers that exist in health. And it has shown to the children that this is OK. We can move on. And that is what has been very unique uh, about, uh, about this program. And this is what even uh, I've heard from um, service providers, doctors and nurses, that equally for them, it has improved them and it has been good for them because it has also opened their minds about how they treated clients, about how they thought, about how they did things. They think also it has been very open and uh, they are also uh, grateful of that. So we are all benefiting as a society. We are all learning as a society. And I wish all of us could do this. In this program, we have also police people participating. In these people, we have children and advocate uh, uh, organizations participating. So we have it open to everybody and we can work together and children see them as friends, youth see them as friends, not as someone who has come to assess me because I'm sick, but someone who cares about me and someone actually my friend. This is my friend. That is how they see us. If you see me go walking on the street, you will see children and say, hello, my friend. 
And that is it. That is what the program is about. You also mentioned different partners outside of the medical field, like the police. How important is the interdisciplinary collaboration to the work that you do? It is uh, very, it is very important because uh, mental health has many perspectives and many angles, and it needs many uh, actions to address it. It needs many actors to address it. For instance, um, people who have uh, mental health to certain level may react differently. And in that sense, it might need police, it might need health, it might need this and that. But for us, be, before, so, so that we can normalize that and talk to the people, it's very important that all these actors are involved. For instance, if a police person is involved in playing with you soccer, is taking you to school, you are working together to, to train yourself as a volunteer in the police, even if you are a child, you have already a connection to a police. You don't see them coming to you in their vest and you think they are enemies who want to shoot you. You've created a, a, a link. So a prog our program is actually like a, a bridge where everybody must cross. Be police, be doctor, be the youth, be me, be everyone, we must cross that. And how we see these different stakeholders, these stakeholders are part of that bridge. We all are the stones building the bridge. And I see them in that. Even our beneficiaries of the program are also part of that bridge. We are all those, those stones holding the bridge. And it makes everyone access to service without stigma, without a name, without a name calling, without uh, going and you have a flag on your, on your front that are mentally ill. I can tell you there are even uh, officials who benefit from our programs. So yes, those programs, those other partners have been so important and we've seen them being helpful and we're grateful to them. And we hope they can all, uh, all continue coming and we can increase their participation now and in the future. So that is how I see them. I see them as in, an important uh, an important ingredient of, uh, of uh, an important contribution to, to the program. How has COVID-19 impacted the service that you provide? It, it has been so difficult, especially for those people with mental well-being. But um, we've continued uh, doing the Zooms, but there are people who still need personal meeting, meetings accompaniment to services, translation and so on, and we have not changed. We only take precautions of, uh, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of protection on uh, COVID-19, but it has made the program expensive because there are some, some steps that we need to take that are also 
out of what we would have done in normal circumstances. For instance, uh, spaces for meeting, it has increased because uh, we were meeting before around 100 people. You can just imagine meeting 100 people in one room. We cannot do that anymore. So instead of meeting 100 people in uh, two hours in a day, we will make 10, 10, and the place has to be cleaned. It means more resources is needed, more human resources is needed and so on. So that is what COVID has brought and that is the challenge COVID has brought. But in uh, this situation of mental health, uh, yes, Zoom will be so important, but you know that people, because there are people because of the current situation and the status of their mental well-being cannot access Zoom or could not be able to access or know how to access or whatever, whatever. So in person is helpful and uh, you cannot just leave them that way and say that uh, it will be okay. So we, we, that is uh, what the challenges has been. It has uh, doubled our work. And, uh, but what can we do? We are society, we are human beings and we have to, to support each other. Finally, um, in order for us to reach our global goals in regards to good health and well-being, what do you hope to see that countries do in, in achieving this? I think we have to put uh, mental health a priority at the center of all we do. Um, and I've told you, there is no uh, 2.30 development goals without mental health, without mental well-being of the people because we depend on the well-being of everyone for the society to be well. If we have to protect environment, we have to be well first. If we want to address poverty, we have to be well. If we have to promote gender equality, we all have to be well. So mental health is a key goal of the SDGs that must be addressed. And what we need to do, we need to focus, 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 and focus on mental well-being of everyone, the respect of everyone, the respect of human dignity, and then mental well-being is the most important goal in everything. To achieve everything, people must be well. If people must be secure, people must be mental well, mentally well. If people must be protected, people must be mentally well. That is why I'm so talking about peace and security of the world, mental well-being. Well, thank you so much for your time, Freddie, and speaking with me today. If more people wanted to learn more about your organization's work, where can they find you? Uh, our listeners, um, thank you for giving that opportunity. Our listeners can follow us on uh, www.ecare.org. www.ecaair.org and they will learn about the work we're doing. 
but also personally, I'm always on Facebook as well as a person, Frederick Wangabo Mwenengabo. Anyone can find me there and we can work together. But uh, thank you very much for um, giving us this opportunity to speak on this issue. And thank you very much for thinking about uh, this uh, important issue. And uh, we should also thank the Intercancer Network for really organizing this with you. It's, uh, it's an important subject. Uh, people, we may not know how important it is, but it's huge. It's big, it's, uh, and the whole world should be focusing on something like this now at this particular time. Well, that's it for this week. Be sure to catch us weekly for more stories from those on the ground addressing the SDGs. I'm your host, Fahima Gabrell, and you've been listening to Around the World and SDGs, a podcast series by the Intercouncil Network and a project made possible with the financial support of the Government of Canada. 